0: Welcome to the Relationship 411 Podcast. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Kevin. And we've been married for 25 amazing years.
1: Well, they haven't all been amazing, to be honest, babe.
0: That's true. And we have four awesome kids.
1: We do, and we love them so much. And babe, I love you. And we're just trying to share some things that we've learned about life. Uh, We're not experts by any stretch of the imagination. We're not counselors. We're not professionals. But we have lived life a little bit, and we hope to share some things with you that are beneficial.
0: So thanks for listening. Today, we're going to talk about something that Kevin and I really have loved. We found Brene Brown um, several years ago. We've read many of her books. Um, This concept is actually in several of her books, but the one she really talks about it in is The the Gifts of Imperfection. So if you haven't read anything from Brene Brown, I would highly encourage you or get it on Audible because it's really... She really has some amazing points and a lot of great things that you can learn. And this episode, we're going to call it the 10 Guideposts for Wholehearted Living. And when I heard this concept, I really, we were really, you know, rebuilding our marriage. We were kind of at a low point, but I really decided that, and I think both Kevin and I decided that we wanted to have a wholehearted life and marriage, and we wanted to be much more purposeful. So that's kind of why we decided to talk about this. It has lots of interesting things. Um, You can go to her website and she has a little test you can take um, to see how wholehearted you are. Kevin and I have both taken the test and it's kind of interesting to see areas we could work on and ones we're doing good on. So I think this is a life journey. Um, You're not going to just become wholehearted. It's probably the roller coaster ups and downs. Some days you're better at it than others. So That's what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to go over the 10 guideposts of things that you need to let go of, and then the things you need to try to cultivate and put into your life.
1: And I add to that, that's a good intro. One of the things that I um, thought about with wholehearted living was that when we started talking about this in our relationship, it was kind of like, what do you want out of life, and what do you want out of a relationship, and... I don't know if we'd really ever talked about that, to be honest with you. Maybe probably everyone has, but probably us. But no. <laughs> you know, and I think
0: we were just getting through life. We were surviving, yeah. basically. Yeah, and
1: and I think that that's where candidly a lot of people are. It you get stuck all of a sudden pretty quickly in you know building a career, going to school, and you're juggling all these different things. You're wearing seventeen different hats, and you you don't give yourself time, and you don't give your relationship time, and so it's all of a sudden. You're, I think the, the analogy that we've talked about is to say people, and we were certainly there and probably are there some days too, is you're just kind of a boat on a body of water without a rudder, without paddles, without anything. It's like life is just pushing you along wherever it goes versus saying, I want to go take control of life and I want to live the type of life I truly want to be in, be the person I want to be, be happy and content with myself. And that comes from living wholeheartedly, and I think again, you, you gave Brene Brown, uh, B R E N E Brown. Um, people always ask, how do you spell that? Brene Brown um, is is a really a good, um, you know, gives some great analogies and has some really good books. We read one on the power of vulnerability, which was fantastic that we read together.
0: Daring greatly.
1: Yeah. So anyway, this whole concept, she she brings up a lot with it, but with, with living a wholehearted life, I think you find purpose. And I think that's what it comes about. I said, instead of just living and existing difference between existing and living a life. And this is kind of, I think what wholehearted living does. And so we'll start talking about some of the things like you said, of what we need to let go of. And let's maybe just kind of jump into that, babe, is to say we've got, just so you know, we've got 10 of things to let go. And then we'll talk about um, the, the things that we want to cultivate in our life with
0: that. Yeah. So there's an opposite, you know, there's the thing you need to let go of so you can have this particular thing. So the so first like thing. is like a paradigm shift. Like yeah. I, I,
1: I lived life like this. Yeah. Now I'm going to go make a conscious decision to go change and try to become more of
0: that. Right. So the first one is letting go of what people think of us. I think that is a huge issue for our entire society. We always worry about what someone's thinking of you. And the idea when you can let go of what people think of you, you become your authentic self and you can find authenticity. And I just, I think of you, Kevin, that in our family, in our marriage, we had to become real. This is who we are, take us or leave us (laughs) because maybe what you thought we were, who you thought we were, I don't know, but we really had to dig down deep. And I, I feel like we're doing a pretty good job. We always want people to like us, but in my life, I've realized like you can do all the right things and someone's still not gonna like you.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that point of letting go of what people think of us is uh, manifest in so many different ways. We want to put on an air and facade sometimes of that we're everything's great here, right? Family's good, uh, marriage is good, work's great, uh, kids are doing great, everything. And reality is, is to say, if you're authentic, I really believe people are drawn to authentic people. I I think people say, gosh, I wish I could be more like that. Well, you can just, just give up, you know, people pleasing and giving up what you, you do everything for somebody else and what they think of you, and then just go be your real self. And, And, and two quick stories with this one, um, I just heard this just the other day that someone had interviewed, this is kind of a sick thing, but. Someone interviewed people on their deathbed and like tons of people. And they asked them, what's their five regrets in life? You know what the number one one was, babe? What? It was people wished that they had lived a more true life to themselves and not worried about what everybody else thought. That was the number one by far. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: think you can imagine like going later on in life and you're 98 years old and you know you're going to die and you're like, do you look back and say, gosh, I wish I would have been more true to myself. You know, instead, like, I was trying to, like, I cared too much about what everybody else thought. Mm-hmm. And you can still be a kind, nice person with
0: yeah, that. Yeah, and you still want to be thoughtful, but to to do things just because you think someone else is expecting or wants you to do that is not being authentic. And you're you're really not going to ever be happy because you're not living for yourself. You're living for someone else. And I think that in goes in your marriage. Sure. So. Yeah, um, l-
1: let me be. I, I wanna be the best version of myself I can possibly be all the time because I love you and, and I want to be real though and I wanna be authentic and not try to be who you want me to be. Right. And and when you can do that it's unbelievably uh freeing. Yeah,
0: it's very empowering because super empowering yeah, it's, and I think um really can be more connecting.
1: And, and it, can, it can manifest itself in so many dumb little ways. One I can think of that I was terrible at, we would entertain and we'd have people come over and you're, you're shaking your head you know exactly where I'm going with this. I would, I would be so worried, like if there was a dish in the sink or if like the meat tray, like the, the charcuterie board didn't look like exactly perfect or whatever. I'm thinking, what are people going to think of us? Oh my gosh, we, our boys' shoes are in the hallway. Like, no, we've got to clean all this up. To, to put on this air, like our house is immaculate all the time. Well, let me just be honest now. So now I can be authentic. And I I don't worry that there's a dish in the sink. I want to clean up and look, but I'm not so stressed out that it has to look perfect because I, I was so worried about the image that what somebody else had that I, I, and it would cause us these huge fights and stress. And it's like, you know, I'd blow up in the kitchen thinking like, you know, ten minutes before the party.
0: That yeah. makes me really want to be there. Damn it, we got to
1: get the strawberries <laughs> out. Like, why would you put them out so early? Like, they're not going to be chilled properly. It makes you know? me
0: want to have a party all the time. Oh,
1: absolutely. <laughs> You're like, you know, screw this. I'm not doing this party. And then people come like,
0: <laughs> Oh, hi, welcome. You know, it's like, and you, you know put what? on your face. Right. So it's like, <laughs> just
1: just be more authentic. Is to say, this is where we live. That you know, I I no, I didn't get imported. Ham. This is just regular ham. You know, mm-hmm. everyone just deal with it. And and so I just think being more authentic. So let's go mm-hmm. to the next one.
0: Okay. Perfectionism. And I think this is a huge issue. Um, and then having self-compassion. And I, I love So the they wo- want to
1: let go yeah, of Yeah, let go of
0: perfectionism and cultivate self-compassion. I love the word compassion. Um, I've really tried to integrate that into my life to have compassion. Hmm, I wonder why they did that. I wonder why they said that. And try to Um, Be more compassionate. But really, you have to learn how to be compassionate to yourselves because it's sometimes easier to forgive other people, but it's a lot harder to forgive yourself. And perfectionism, I personally would never call myself a perfectionist. I can do things 80%, 70% and feel great about it. But I think there's a lot of people out there
1: Oh, I know. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at Kevin, this.
0: Kevin, hence the, the comment about the house, the perfect house, the perfect kids, You cut whatever. the strawberries <laughs> wrong. What are you doing? No. Anyways, so I, I think um, if we can let go, give ourselves some slack, give ourselves some compassion, we're going to definitely live more wholeheartedly. And, and if
1: you look at like, if you break down the word compassion, it means like with excessive love, like just with tremendous love. So put that self-compassion Think about having tremendous love for yourself, and it doesn't mean like hedonistic love, but it means like I care about myself enough that I'm not going to have to be perfect. And you know, if you look at at this life it is to say none of us are meant to be perfect, yeah. And yet we put these unrealistic expectations on ourselves, and what happens is. You set this level. Trust me, I am I am preaching to the choir here, people, because I I've given myself this lecture a gazillion times, but I think I understand it a little bit more now, and I try to deal with it. But like, you set the bar so high for perfection, and then when you come in short of that, all of that is frustration, whatever it is. And so, if you can just say, you know, I love myself enough. I don't have to be perfect. God doesn't expect me to be perfect. My spouse doesn't. You know, my you friends don't. Not. You shouldn't expect it of yourself.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, The next one to let go of is numbing and powerlessness. And then we need to cultivate a more resilient spirit. And it's kind of interesting because if you listen to our podcast about buffering, I think that comes into play um, with the numbing, giving things uh, outside of yourself like shopping, food, um, the power over yourself And when you can overcome that and let go of that, you can be more resilient. Your spirit can be more resilient. Yeah, you can look at that and say, "Yeah,
1: let let me give up all of the buffering. Let me give up the fact that I am trying to camouflage or get rid or not feel of an emotion with something else, like you mentioned shopping or gaming or porn or drinking or whatever. And instead... The resilient spirit in my mind is to say, let me go deal with that issue and and be strong enough to go deal with that and hit it face on and I can rise up from what that thing that yeah. I'm trying to do. Yeah, and
0: instead of taking away your power, you have all you the actually power. You get the power, yep. yeah. Um, the next one is scarcity and fear of the dark.
1: So what does that mean?
0: Um. So... And then the thing you want to cultivate is gratitude and joy. So scarcity, I always think of scarcity and abundance. So when you live in scarcity, meaning you don't have enough, all the have-nots, everything I don't, you just focus on everything you don't have. And then fear, like you live in fear. You're fear-based, the way you live. Everything you do is based on fear as opposed to based in love.
1: Now, let me jump in there with yeah. that because I think it's something that you've really mastered well and have helped me is with scarcity. You think about you know wars are fought over scarcity. Mm-hmm. There's not enough blank to go around. And so therefore we have to go fight for that. I look at it and say, if you thought abundantly, there's enough of whatever, there's enough air, there's enough food, there's enough whatever to go around. Yeah, You don't, you don't have to live in fear anymore because you can say, no, there's enough jobs. Right. There's enough, whatever. I don't have to go take from you. Um, if you look at a, at a pie and say, there's enough pie to go around for everybody. And if you live scarcity, you, st- it starts to become super competitive. And all of a sudden you start to beat yourself up or you start to put undue pressures on other people or whatever to, to get that, as opposed to saying abundantly. Promise you, I, I lived with the scarcity mentality for a while, and when you start to live abundantly, it is so freeing. Is to think there is enough,
0: right? And it gives you obviously you cultivate grat- gratitude, so you're grateful for everything that you have. You're happier. You want to give more. And um, the fear thing, you gave the analogy to me the other day because sometimes I get fearful of different things and about, you know, not enjoying certain things because you're afraid they're going to be going away. And you gave the example of the hurricane. And what if I never would go to Galveston to enjoy our beach house because I was afraid a hurricane would go and then I would, you know, be in, in the middle of a hurricane so I, I just think sometimes we need to recognize if we're living in fear and change that to Gratitude. being grateful. Yeah, yeah, you can
1: say like I am so afraid I'm gonna lose my job versus yeah. I'm grateful I have a
0: job. Yeah. It's
1: amazing. Yeah, you know, as as you travel a little bit, you get out of the country and some of the some of the poorest people that don't have anything can be some of the happiest people in the world because they're so grateful for whatever. Or I, I look at your dad. Your dad had, you know, a, a stroke that almost killed him. Intensive care for a long time. He's one of the most grateful people that I know. He like. We were walking with him one day on on this walk, and it was just unbelievable. After his stroke, and he got out of the hospital later, and he said, "Isn't this a beautiful day?" He said, "Just smell that good air." He said, "I am so grateful for. Look how green that grass is. It is so beautiful and so pretty." And I look at that to say, I was just like taken back. And I thought, how grateful am I for some things? Like I don't even notice the grass. And I think if you live a life of gratitude, if you pray, think about praying more with gratitude and less asking. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to, and before I get out of bed, babe, I don't know if you know this, but every day I, I try to think of five things I'm grateful for before I leave the bed every day. And it sets my day off in a positive tone. Is that regardless of what happens today, I am grateful for you know a couple different things that I think of. And it's 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 powerful. So mm-hmm. it, it helps you think more abundantly.
0: Yeah. Um, letting go of need for certainty, which I think a lot of people we want to know exactly what's gonna happen to the rest of our life. And I noticed this with our mm-hmm. young adult kids, especially, and I mean all of us, but they wanna know who they're gonna marry where they're going to live, what job, and sometimes we just don't know. So instead of needing the certainty, why not trust your faith in your intuition because and know that everything's going to work out because we can only know what's going to happen today and practice, you know, we we have no idea what's going to happen in the future. But if we have faith and we know, trust in ourselves that everything's going to be okay, we're going to we're going to be able to marry the right person. Get the right job, we'll live in the perfect place. It's all gonna work out in our favor. And I think if we can focus on that, it's gonna be a lot better and let go of needing to know the certainty of things.
1: Yeah, I love that because sometimes you talk to an older person that's lived life and they they almost say the same thing when like you're struggling, you're younger and you're worried about things. They always say, you know, it's all gonna work out. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's all gonna work out. And I think you're probably right. Like you, you don't know it at the time, and our brain is hardwired to want to know things. It hates dark. It hates those things because it can't see. It doesn't know. It scrambles. And so I look at this as to say, you know, if you lived a life and I lived a life more with trusting and faith and having just your gut feelings like, you know what? I've done this before. Chances are this is kind of what's going to happen. I kind of get it. And then, you know, recently we made a job change. um, Our our team, our team left and we didn't know exactly what was going to happen and I remember distinctly kind of gathering everybody around and, and we were nervous. Like I was nervous. Everyone was nervous. And I just had this thought that came to me that said, you know what? We don't know this process, but we all felt very good about our decision to change companies for all these myriad of reasons. And I said, you know what? All we can do is trust the process and trust your God. Mm-hmm. It will work out. And however it's going to work out is how it's going to work out. And sure enough, if I had gone back and looked to say day one to where we're at today is to say, did you see that? It's like, no, that is not exactly how I thought it was going to occur, but it has worked out and it's worked out great. Just not how as I expected it. And and somewhat it's like, enjoy the ride a little bit. You know, if if you knew what you when you were going to die, it's like, would you do something different? Or maybe you just said, let me just enjoy the ride today. Trust my God, have a little bit more faith in the system or in the program or whatever it is. And you just live happier.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Amen.
1: <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Letting go of comparison, which I think is a huge issue in our society today. And then when you do that, you cultivate creativity. And I, I just went to art. Like, I feel like little kids um, in art, they don't look at their friends' artwork. They just do their own, and they're so creative. But as adults, we want to compare Is our, what we're doing, is our house look the same as so-and-so's house? And then we lose all creativity. We look at, like, the Pottery Barn catalog and try to make our house just like that picture. But then we don't even like living in the house because we have a white couch. And who wants a white couch when they have little kids that are going to put fingerprints on it? So then we say no one can sit on the couch. (laughs) Anyways, so, you know, we, we just, we want so badly to compare ourselves, to match up, but then we lose all our creativeness and that's really what makes us unique and special
1: it does like you we talk to our kids about this you know that some of them are in school still and we say look, you can't teach creativity like you can cultivate creativity but you can't teach like you're not going to go to a class and say okay everybody welcome to creativity 101 we're going to learn how to be creative here probably not but people will actually pay for creativity because they they don't have it and you, and it takes some thought and effort and energy to be creative. But all of us, I believe, have inside of them some level of creativity. And, and by doing so, life becomes exciting. If you're bored in your marriage or in a relationship period, my guess is there's a lot of creativity that's been lacking. So yeah. Yeah. You and you're
0: that. just focused on the comparison of if you're doing it right or whatever. Um, The next one is your exhaustion is a status symbol and productivity as self-worth, which I think is so prevalent in our society today. And then the alternative, the thing we want to cultivate, is play and rest. And I think other countries do this really well. I feel like Europe in general is really good at this. I mean, they take breaks. and (laughs) Some of
1: them do it too much. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Every day they have a break and – Anyways, but and I think we're just all about working, working, working. And hey, it's like a status that I worked fifteen hours today. Oh, you only worked three hours. It's you a badge know? of honor. Like, yeah. look how much overtime
1: I got. Or I haven't taken a vacation in two months. Yeah. Versus play and rest, it does the body good, and it and it's critically important for growth. It's critically important for creativity. It's it's just important for mental health, whatever. So absolutely,
0: yeah. Letting go of that. And I I think sadly. The United States, we, you know, have that a lot. Um, Anxiety as a lifestyle, it's like, I mean, that is- Kind of connected, right, with that one a little bit. Yeah, anxiety, and then becoming calm and still. The thing that Kevin and I really try to do is we go to yoga, try to um, do some things like that, that just calm us, make us still.
1: Heather, our yoga teacher, has been absolutely amazing.
0: She is amazing. And I think our society, we're just an anxious society. So finding ways to find calmness and stillness, go on a hike. Um, there's so many things that you can Meditation, do. Meditation, prayer, yeah.
1: whatever you need to do is to just be calm and to feel yourself. I used to hate doing that cause I used to hate listening to whatever self-talk that I had. But I've learned to calm down a little bit and say, no, it's okay. It's good. Go for a walk. Just mm. do some some calming things.
0: Um, self doubt and supposed to, and so I we're getting
1: rid of we're getting rid yeah, of yeah, getting
0: now. getting rid of it. And I think it's also huge. Um, the shoulds we should do this, should do that, and the thing you need to cultivate is meaningful work. Because, and I just think of this like there's lots of things we think we should do, and things we don't feel like we're good about. But if you find something that is meaningful to you, you're going to be so much happier.
1: Yeah. I think this last one, we can kind of summarize it with this. I think this is a great one. Let me introduce this one. Is it what we want to let go of is being cool and always in control. You know, let me put this facade up. Like I've got life figured out. Um, Hey, again, full disclosure. We do not, we don't have relationships figured out. We don't have life figured out by, by any stretch of the imagination, but we want to cultivate then laughter, song, dance, a little lightheartedness. Yeah,
0: just letting go. Um, Kevin and I went to the Garth Brooks concert. That was so good. And it was we had amazing seats. It was awesome, but it was so interesting. And I knew how expensive these seats were. So many people in our section were just sitting down. They weren't clapping, they weren't smiling. Maybe they were having fun. I don't know. But we were Kevin and I were up dancing, singing, um, yelling. We had so Cheering. much fun. A blast. People I mean, it, it was hard to get into the venue. We still had so much fun the whole entire time from the moment we left our house. Um, I think the whole day we had a blast. And I think you have to purposely focus on that and letting go as opposed to like, oh, this is so interesting. What a great concert. And I, I don't know. I, I just think life is so much better when you bring laughter, song, and dance.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Life is serious and hard as it is. We need to let go a little bit. And it helps you kind of unwind. It helps you to to connect as a couple. Helps you connect with your kids. Just to just to be free. Some yeah. some great some great counsel we got in our marriage. I remember from one of your uncles was you know what he said you know work hard but play hard. And I think that that's true. We we work hard. Let's go let's go enjoy life and enjoy the the fruits of your you know of your gains.
0: You yeah, know? and do it with your kids. Have dance parties. Just help them see a more wholehearted mom and dad, husband and wife. And I think that's going to help their life so much better. Hopefully you've enjoyed these different uh, guideposts. And it would be so interesting if you went to her website, took the test, and you kind of can see where you're at. Um, The thing I was lacking was anxiety as a lifestyle. So obviously I need to relax a lot more and go to lots more yoga classes. Yeah. Um, I didn't find Kevin's test, but I'm sure. Oh, per- <laughs> I probably was terrible at all of them, but, but, you we're, but the you point worked. is that we're
1: trying to figure that and now you're doing it conscientiously is to say, I, I don't want to live a rudderless life. I want to have a purposeful life. And the only way you can do that is living wholeheartedly, letting yeah. go of some stuff that are negative and embracing those things that bring more power to your life, more lightheartedness to your life more purpose to your life, and and you're happier.
0: Yeah, and this might take your entire life to get this figured out. But you might as well start now working on all these things because um, some you're going to be better at and some are going to be harder to give up.
1: Friends, one of the greatest compliments you can pay us is to introduce your friends and family to our podcast so that we can all grow and learn together.
0: So thanks so much for listening today to the Relationship 411 podcast. Please like and share. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook.
1: And remember, we promise to give you the 411 about relationships.
0: So you don't have to call 911 for yours.